from Kurtco Media. Coming to Africa is a hugely profound emotional shift that happens inside a human being. It's a much bigger holiday than those beautiful photographs. It's something that changes you. It cracks your heart open. It melts your human scaffolding. That's safari expert Deborah Kalmeyer. I'm Bruce Wallen, and this is Travel That Matters. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Travel That Matters, the podcast where we explore the world's most exceptional travel experiences. Today, we've got not just one, but three great guests who are going to talk about one of my personal favorite destinations and a lot of other people's favorite destinations, and that is South Africa. So I went down to South Africa this past Thanksgiving, and by the way, that is my favorite time of year to travel abroad with my family primarily because most Americans are here in the U.S., so there really aren't that many crowds everywhere. But it's also just kind of a nice time of year. It tends to be a nice time of year in a lot of great destinations all over the place. You know, you do miss out on the traditional Thanksgiving experience when you're abroad, but but we've had some pretty cool experiences, Thanksgiving meals in Israel and Slovenia and Morocco. Anyways, South Africa, a little bit farther than any of those places, actually. From L.A., it is a solid 24 hours in flight time. But It turned out to be a great, fantastic idea. We absolutely love the trip. We did three nights in Cape Town, three nights on safari, and it was just such a like jolt of everything that I love about travel, the the cultural differences, the venture, the nature, the wildlife, the food, the wine, all of which we are going to talk about today. First, with the famed Cape Town chef, Liam Tomlin. Liam is originally from Dublin, actually, but he's become a legend down in Cape Town with several great restaurants in the city and the surrounding winelands. And he's also the head chef for all of the Singita Safari Lodges. We're also going to speak with Deborah Kalmeyer from Roar Africa about her top South Africa itineraries and insider tips. Some of you may remember Deborah from a couple of years ago. We did an episode with her, and it is still one of my all-time favorites. So please go back and check that out if you haven't already. Last but not least, I sit down with my old friend Tiago Sarmento, who runs Belmont Hotels in South Africa and Botswana, including the 125-year-old Mount Nelson, where Liam has a new restaurant and where I interviewed both him and Tiago for this episode. Be sure to stick around until the end of the episode when I talk about some of my favorite safari destinations in South Africa and beyond. If you enjoy the episode, please write us a review on Apple Podcast and follow Travel That Matters. We've got a great new season of MasterChef coming up in just a few weeks. But for now... Let's travel to South Africa with Liam Tomlin, Deborah Kalmeyer, and Tiago Sarmento. Hey, Travel That Matters listeners, it's Bruce. And even when I'm not traveling, I'm always looking for ways to explore the flavors of the world, which is one reason why I'm a big fan of the award-winning gourmet flavors from Watkins. Spicing up kitchens since 1868, Watkins offers a full line of flavoring products, including extracts, organic spices and herbs, seasoning blends, grilling rubs and marinades, bitters, and even artificial dye-free baking decorations and food coloring. Watkins' innovative flavoring products have been a secret chef ingredient for over 155 years. Their product lineup includes gourmet baking vanilla, pure almond and lemon extracts, delicious organic seasoning blends such as lemon pepper, Cajun, and everything bagel sesame seasoning, as well 
as a complete line of organic A to Z spices. I personally love grilling. And Watkins 1868 Organic Grilling Seasonings, Rubs, and Marinades are sure to liven up any barbecue. It's all part of the company's commitment to flavor every moment. For more information on Watkins World of Flavors, go check out Watkins1868.com and join their community on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. That's Watkins1868.com, where travel meets taste and you can flavor every moment. Liam, thank you for joining us on Travel That Matters. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. First, I want to ask you about your time. You kind of became a famous chef, a celebrity chef, whatever it is in, in your time in Australia. Yeah. I've, I've actually listened to podcasts with you and talking about your, your time there and how it sounds like you were a different type of person I was back in, then in Australia. In those days, it was almost the normal to be treated that way, there was the kitchens were very, very aggressive. Um, yeah, I sort of carried it on. I was young, stupid. I had great ambition. I was pushing to get accolades. Nowadays, we try with all our restaurants, we try and run nice working environments, relaxing working environments. We we work our staff four days a week. They have three days off, so we try and look after their well-being a lot. I think it's very, very important. So I have changed an, an awful lot. I mean, I think you started here with. A- I really, a cooking I did. School. I started with a cookery school, but it wasn't training professionals. It was, it was training people who were interested in, in food. Right. But in Sigita, we have cookery schools where we take kids from the community and we train them in the city in girls. And they get a diploma after 18 months, if they pass, obviously. And then as we try and employ them within Sigita, if we can, if we have enough spaces. And that's been hugely successful. Okay, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. But first, I have to ask you, so I think that's one of the things when people go on safari, one of the things that absolutely blows their mind is how, I mean, depending on the place, obviously, but clearly when you're at a Singita, the food is some of the best food you've ever had. I don't know if part of that is the fact that you're having it in this, you know, incredible setting. To me, I, I've never understood, like, how is that logistically possible? Like, how how do you put together a meal like that on the, in a remote safari camp? The South African properties are relatively easy because they're not that far away from Johannesburg. The supply chain is, is relatively easy. So when you go to Rwanda, Zimbabwe, and into Tanzania, then that's a real challenge. For, for people who haven't heard of Singida or been yeah. to Singida, could you just give us a little bit of a description? Because it really is an incredible... Well, Singida is, is the number one game launch experience in my, in my eyes in Africa. I remember the first time I walked through the doors at Le Bomba, it just It's the best travel experience I've ever had. And every time I go to Singita, I travel once a month for a week. And every time I walk through a door in Singita, I get the same feeling because there's never, no two days are the same. There's always a different experience, especially when you go out on game drives. It's incredible. It's very hard to describe. It's exactly what you see on TV on the David Attenborough shows, but you're there. You're right in, in the thick of it. It's, it's really, really incredible. You get goosebumps some of the stuff you see. And do you get to go out on... Yeah, I do. Every time you I, go. I mean, obviously, I go there to work. Yeah. But part of my work is to have a guest experience as well. Yeah. And to report on the guest experience. So, what, what about is there, you know, one time a particular meal or something where you had a wildlife encounter on a Sagita safari? The biggest rush you'll get is obviously if you see a kill. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily nice to see, but it's amazing to see. I've actually flown into 
Grimetti, and as we were landing from the airplane, seeing uh, lines taking down a buffalo. And when we got off the plane, we, we went tracking it. That reminds me of the guide I had. His name was Lee at Singita Grumetti. And I remember he, one of the things he told me, he said, everybody comes in here saying they want to see a kill. Yeah, and then, and they then see after it. they see it, they decide they'd rather yeah. have not yeah. seen it. Yeah. But I mean, practically everybody who goes up there sees a kill. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's natural. It's nature. That's... Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, the school that you started at Singita. Well, so, I didn't start it. It was started um, before I arrived, but I've been involved in it okay. for many years. And what is, so these are young, like high school kids these or are, something from these the local are communities? We used to take them from 16 up. Now we take them from 18 to okay. try and get them to finish their education. For example, in Kruger National Park, every year we will interview somewhere between 800 and 1,000 kids. Wow. For six positions. Just Kruger. Just Kruger. That's for six positions. Wow. It's a very hard choice. And obviously they've got no experience whatsoever. Completely no experience. So we do it purely on um, attitude, personality, their manners, how keen they are, that sort of thing. Ah. And we've had a 99% success rate. Have any of these graduates gone on i mean they they work at singita probably have they gone on to work yeah. at like a city restaurant yeah, absolutely. some of them have gone overseas to work on cruise ships okay one is a head chef now at a different lodge in sabi sands so quite a few of them yeah actually go and build a fantastic career the majority of them don't want to leave their community that they're brought up in so they tend to stay with us so the idea i'd love to see is the next generation of chefs in all the Sagita properties, will come from the Kukri schools. Mm-hmm. And we won't have expats. That's the big dream. And we're close to it. We're very close to it. How is the, the, I mean, the dining scene in Cape Town gets a lot of attention. I mean, yeah. partly because of you, certainly. But how has that changed? And have some of that kind of the, the local kids come up and, and help change that scene? 100%. I think when I came here 20 years ago, it wasn't really seen as a profession, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now it's very much a profession especially on the floor side of it, the waiters, sommeliers, and it's, it's chalk and cheese. But it was the same when I first went to Australia. Australia, pretty much when I arrived there, I was 24, and everybody was doing the same thing. And it was quite boring, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very boring. And that obviously changed. I was there for 15 years. That changed over the years. And it's changed here. We've got some, I mean, the talent we've got in this country is incredible. Just, I suppose, doesn't get exposure like the likes of London and Paris and Tokyo, because we don't have the volume and the traffic mm-hmm. of people coming here like you would in a London or a Tokyo or whatever. But, you know, everybody who comes here from overseas are blown away. And it's, it, you know, if you're coming here with American dollars or euros, uh, you're laughing. I mean, it's for nothing. Yeah. It's absolutely for nothing. Yeah. People laugh at us when they get the bills. <laughs> they really do. They say, how do, you, how do you do it? You see, the problem in Cape Town is we have two seasons here. We have summer and we have winter. In summer, you can't get a table in any restaurant here. Mm-hmm. In winter, you can drive a bus through most restaurants because there's very few tourists. So you've got to look after your local market for the winter. Otherwise, you won't survive here. So you can't go and abuse the tourism dollar. What What are some of the, th- uh, you know, I, are there Cape Townian, is that Cape Townian? Yeah. Do you say that? I, what are some of the dishes like here, uh, if you come here, that you have to try? Are there st- if you go to the Bokap, it's a very much a Muslim area, and that's a lot of Cape Town food up there. There's a lot of the spice shops up there. 
So it's quite a spicy cuisine. You know, they've got babuti, more of a pudding, samosa, all of this. Lovely food. It is lovely, lovely food. What's the, what is a babuti? Babuti is a, a mince dish, spice mince dish that's set in a custard. Okay. Uh, it's lovely. It's really, really good. It's really nice. What, it, you know, beyond, I do think a lot of people come to South Africa thinking Cape Town safari, right? That's yeah. kind of their, their hit list. It's admittedly, that's, that's what I'm doing on this trip, very short trip. But what are some of the things, like, what would you encourage people to do beyond that? I would definitely do all the wineries, Franschhoek, Stellenbosch, Elgin. Stellenbosch, Franschhoek, is that? Yeah, Constantia, Elgin. Is that all in this area here? Generally? No, no, not really. It's a, it's a couple of hours. It depends. Okay. There's, I've got a restaurant in a winery called Boat Constantia. Okay. So that's a 20 minute drive from here. So that's actually in a suburb. Then I've got another restaurant on a winery in Franschhoek called Maison. So these are both wine-producing farms. Um, there's a huge amount of great restaurants and wineries. Every serious winery now has a restaurant on it. And obviously there's a lot of money in wine farms. Um, so some of the most beautiful restaurants are actually out in the winelands. Okay, so someone's coming to Cape Town. Of course they're going to go to the V&A, V&A waterfront. They're going to yeah. go to Table Mountain. What's an insider tip or two or something to do that, that people, most people don't know about? In the Bocop, you can go on food tours in the Bocop if you're into finding out about local food, as you questioned earlier on. The v it's not, I mean, it's the shopping mall. Right, right. It's not that, it's in, it's in a beautiful location. It is in a beautiful location. It's right down in the harbor. But it's a shopping mall at the end of the day. But I do go down there to eat. There's one restaurant down there called Willoughby's Sushi Restaurant. Okay. So at the Bocamp food tour, tell yeah. Bocap. So you go to different houses and... The, the women in the houses will cook different things for you to eat and you go into all the different spice shops and it's quite cool. Okay. I, I like to ask this of, of anyone, but chefs in particular, like what's a meal in the last year or so that's just stands out for a particular reason? In Rwanda, there's a, a restaurant. It's not a restaurant, but it is a restaurant. It's called the Car Wash. And you can go and leave your car there to get washed and you go in and it's plastic tablecloths, plastic seats, it's an open grill, but they do the best goat you'll ever eat in your life. And every time I go to Kigali, I travel with a colleague of mine, and we always go, and we have half a goat. And every time it comes, we always go, we're never going to eat this, and every time, we polish it. So it's stuff like that. You know, I was in Greece recently. I had some amazing food in Greece, but simple stuff, just super, super fresh fish out of the water onto the plate, you know? That's, that stuff excites me. Yeah. Give me some real good, honest a half, a half a goat at a car wash in Kigali. Yeah, that's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's amazing. I mean, that's such a cool place. And I've by the that. way, actually, talk to us about Kigali for a second because I think a lot of people, you know, again, people think gorillas when they're going to Rwanda or yeah. you know, Kigali is a destination. I mean, it's no, a it's a great, city. really upcoming city. Yeah. It's a beautiful city. I mean, Rwanda is is a fascinating country. It really is, and it's spotlessly clean. It's super organized. Everything works like clockwork. Everybody's working. You know, in Cape Town, you'll see a lot of poverty here, especially when you fly in over the shanty towns. I mean, I flew in today and I was looking, it's like, just it, it, every time you fly in, it seems to expand. There's none of that in Rwanda. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. They call it the Switzerland of Africa. And I mean, it really is like Switzerland. All beautiful hilly mountains. It's green. It's, it's gorgeous. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to hear about the best safaris in South Africa with Deborah Kalmeyer. Solar. 
from Kurtco Media. A fully immersive sonic adventure with revolutionary sound from Dolby Atmos, starring Stephanie Beatrice. Jamal has given up, but I'm gonna find a way to save him. Tony Award winner Alan Cumming. Leaders have to make sacrifices. Academy Award winner Helen Hunt. This isn't how our mission ends. And Jonathan Banks. Getting you home is the only thing I can do to give my life any worth. Solar. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So Liam and I strayed a bit from the subject of South Africa there, but speaking of Rwanda, which we were talking about, my next guest, Deborah Kalmeyer, runs a safari company called Roar Africa. And one of the things they're known for is their annual greatest safari on earth. It goes all over the place by private jet from gorilla trekking in Rwanda to seeing Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. But of the many, many epic safari destinations that Deborah serves, she has a special place for South Africa. She spoke to us from her home in Cape Town about her tips for the ultimate South Africa trip. Can you just kind of explain for someone who's, you know, an American who's kind of planning that big trip to Africa safari, the dream trip to Africa that so many of us have? Why South Africa? Like, what makes South Africa stand out as a destination? Yeah, I think specifically as that first destination to Africa, right? That That's always my recommendation, really because it's everything in one country. And to expand on that, you know, most Americans coming to South Africa or coming to Africa, the idea is for safari. And one can do a safari in South Africa in the very famous Kruger National Park Sabi Sands, Kalahari. So there's a really widespread of different types of safari. I always like to recommend to people maybe do two different camps, different settings, different types. Maybe it's a tent, maybe it's a lodge, maybe it's on an escarpment or a river. So there's that variety. And then I think, you know, what's so great about South Africa is you've got deserts, you've got mountains, you've got beaches, and then you've also got city. And I always am remarking to to people, I'm like, within 10 minutes, I can go hike these incredible mountains, Table Mountain, Signal Hills just behind me, Lion's Head is right next to me. I've got ocean, I can go kayaking right in front of me. I can walk for miles along the ocean front on the promenade. I can go to the winelands within 40 minutes. You know, I can do every sporting activity from tennis to golf to horseback riding on the beach, the most magnificent beach out in Nordhook, about 20 minutes from Cape Town. So if you're an adventure person or even just an outdoorsy person at whatever level, there's just so much. It's also an incredible dining scene. And let's face it, as an American, you go out and have an this amazing meal that would cost you a few hundred dollars in the U.S. And it's not that much, right? Oh, it's really, really inexpensive. You know, it's incredible. And I think people don't understand, you know, they think they're coming to Africa. And maybe one of the questions or worries is, you know, what kind of food am I going to have? And I get it often on safari. Well, what are we going to eat? And I'm like, you're going to eat the best five-star food, fresh Right from the farm, organic, can cater to all types of kosher, gluten-free, vegan, whatever the dietaries are. It's really very sophisticated from a food point standpoint and every option, as you probably experienced in Cape Town as well. And as you say, like super, super inexpensive. Yeah, I want to talk to you about Klein Yan, which is one of the most kind of mind-blowing dining experiences I think you can have. Yeah. But first, back to Cape Town. 
give us kind of a couple of little insider activities that, you know, maybe look, everyone wants to go see the penguins and you go and you wait in a line and it's you see the penguins. But what are a couple of like Deborah Kalmeyer insider activities? What I would say is if you're going to do Table Mountain, instead of going first thing in the morning with the line of cars, take the last car up at 7 p.m. with a bottle of rosé in your bag and you'll probably have the car to yourself and you'll have the sunset all to yourself. It's just incredible. So that's one of my favorite, even though it's a main tourist attraction. I would definitely do the Aranyazacht market that happens on a Saturday and Sunday, and it happens on a Wednesday evening. And that is just the coolest food market, I think, in the world. I have never found anything better, from beautiful fresh oysters to burgers to all sorts of cuisine you can imagine, great draft beers, coffees, gins. It's really incredible. I, every time I go there, I'm like, where am I? This can't be Cape Town. It's so cool. Where is that? What part of town is that in? Literally next to the waterfront. Yeah, we, we use it like our shopping experience and go and get, you know, beautiful fresh green juices and wonderful fruit and veg and ginger and fish. And yeah, I, and the oysters that come from the West Coast, it's just a treat. And I think for $2, you get like 12 oysters and they're incredible. Very nice. I, okay, so let's go beyond Cape Town here and talk a little bit about safari. You know, like you said, there's so many different options. And one of the things that struck me about South Africa is that you can't, like, landscape-wise, you can have quite a different experience, which I think is is great. Because I think, look, I think a lot of Americans have this vision of what an African safari is supposed to look like. But there's very different landscapes in different places. So you mentioned, like, going to different a couple of different camps to get that different look and feel and and maybe wildlife what are some of your favorite spots and what do you recommend kind of for a first timer or for someone who's who's done this before within south africa i definitely go to the sabi sands as a first timer i always think of it as the sort of ultra experience with wildlife right there's a lot of different lodges they're all in private conservancies so you don't get the mass tourism like you would in the kruger national park even though this is part of the greater kruger national park it's like a section of it right and those are private camps with big land masses 30,000 acres 50,000 acres probably one of the most well-known brands there is Singita and they have two lodges there there's another wonderful one called Cheetah Plains which is sort of private villas where you could take for the whole family but the wildlife there is exceptional and that's where you're going to see the big cats and you're going to get really up close to lion and you're going to see leopards. And leopards are, as you know, really difficult to see in the bush because they're solitary and they're very shy. So Sabi Sands is exceptional wildlife. If you're short on time and you've only got three days, that's where you're going to get your big five and you're going to get it up close and personal in a very safe way and a lot of choice in terms of lodges. And then the Kalahari, I absolutely love. Totally different to the sort of thorn felt of the Sabi Sands, which is quite dense bush. This is vast open skies, that contrast of red soils, red sand, very different vegetation, very open, 100,000 acres of private land there, and different wildlife, you know, meerkats, cheetah, brown hyena possibly, so, you know, I think it's really nice to get that contrast of landscape. And obviously, you don't know what animals you're going to see, but 
within South Africa to have that contrast. It's really cool. And then you can go, you know, up the garden route more to Port Elizabeth, malaria-free area there, sort of a softer safari. It doesn't have that sort of wild bush feel to it, but lodges like Shamwari are there, and that's also great if you want something that's malaria-free. You mentioned the Kalahari, and as you know, I was just at Swalu as your company helped arrange my visit, but that place, again, like I didn't expect, you know, when you hear Kalahari, you kind of think just sand, I don't know, desert. And it is desert, but it was green and mountainous and gorgeous. And like you said, the size, I think Swalu is something like 280,000 acres, which to put in perspective is about almost as big as Los Angeles, but they only have, you know, I think a maximum of 40 guests at a time on this property. So, I mean, you don't see anybody. You mentioned, you know, maybe getting crowded out at, at Kruger. It's well, like we never saw another safari go there the entire time we were there. Don't you just love the the landscape? Like it's it's so remarkable, isn't it? The colors, it's just, whoa, it's like a painting. On the subject of Swallow, we brought up Kleinyan. Can you just explain to people what Kleinyan is? So I guess the first thing is that um, he's a Michelin star chef, South African, who has a restaurant in Nice, right, called Jan. But he was invited back to the crew where he's from by the Oppenheimer family who owns Swalu to create a dining experience extraordinaire using uh, local ingredients and really showcasing what Karoo food of that area is like and that influence on various South African dishes. I went there last year as well, this time actually, and what an experience from when you come through that staircase and the music, I think it's Bach that they play as you come down the stairs and then into that passageway with all those foods and, oh, I'm biltong and dried fruit and cheeses and then boom into something that could be in New York or LA that's just extraordinary with all the yucca trees outside making up the landscape that you look onto. I talked about this, but like the, sometimes when the experience is so interesting and it's such a creative culinary experience, sometimes the food doesn't always really measure up. But that I, I will say at Kleinian, the, the food was incredible. The smells, the sights, the color, everything, the music, like you said, the sound, like and it's also something that I think that, like, to do that in that place, you know, in the middle of a 280,000-acre wildlife reserve, very, very remote, makes absolutely no sense at all, right? Like, I mean, who in their right mind would do that? But they did, and it works. Yeah, it really works. And what an incredible experience because, you know, what I love is that you wouldn't really get to sample a lot of those ingredients, really anywhere. And if they were in the food of a restaurant in South Africa, you wouldn't be aware of it. And I find it like quite an educational experience from a cultural standpoint of how they come and explain different things and how special that on safari, instead of having just the typical African meal as the sort of cultural indulgence, this brings in the Afrikaans, the San and it brings all of it to the forefront in a way that, honestly, having gone on safari all my life, I have never experienced that anywhere else. So let's talk about kind of a classic itinerary. Let's say it is a family, multi-generational family. I think South Africa is particularly good for that because of the variety of experiences. You can kind of keep everyone happy. I'm sure you've planned lots of multi-generational 
trips. What are some of your recommendations for two-week blowout? Grandparents are taking the all three generations. I love that because there is something for everyone. Maybe starting in Cape Town is a great idea. It gives everybody a chance to recover from the long-haul flight, maybe get over the jet lag, get comfortable, you know, realize that, wow, this is Africa, this first world amazing city with this kind of beauty, food, English-speaking people who totally get hospitality, who's it's in their DNA and they deliver a service that's pretty hard to match anywhere in the world. But sort of just softening into the Cape Town experience, doing all the outdoor activities, penguins, mountain, maybe a little bit of the Jewish Museum, maybe Mandela and the sort of political history of the country, a little bit of that, walking food tour through the city. So, so many options just in Cape Town. Maybe I would say minimum of four days. People don't seem to understand that Everything's quite spread out in Cape Town, so it takes a drive. It's, it takes a day to do certain things. And then I definitely think the Winelands, even if there are children, there's so many great activities out there, you know, from cheese tasting to chocolate pairing to, you know, fun walks, bike rides, horse rides. And it's such a jaw-droppingly beautiful area. And again, lots of outdoor dining experiences, farm-to-table food, so it doesn't have to be anything to do with wine. It's more about the scenery that I think is so important to to witness. And then off to safari, whether that's in the Sabi Sands Kruger area or the Kalahari, a nice combo. Potentially Victoria Falls, not far away, direct flight from Cape Town. You know, that's just two hours. That's one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Really worth doing. We've actually talked about this before. That is one of those world wonder type of locations that is absolutely worth it. When you get there, you're like, oh, wow. This yeah. really yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's really, oh, wow. It takes my I, There's a reason why this is on these lists. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> incredible. Okay, so you're actually, you have a wine wall. You're talking about the Winelands. You have a wine wall behind you right now as I'm speaking to you. What are what are some of your favorite spots? We actually didn't get out to the Winelands just because we had a limited amount of time. And we were with an 11-year-old, and we just thought, oh, you know, we'll, we'll make it part of a day rather than kind of the day. So we went to the Constantia Winelands, too, which are also beautiful. And, I mean, and those are much closer to Cape – I mean, is that part of Cape Town? Yeah, that's actually, part of Cape Town. That's it? the southern suburbs. It's the other side of the mountain. And you were asking me earlier about little Cape Town hacks. So one of those Winelands properties in, in Constantia, Constantia Eitzach, one can actually go there at like 6 a.m. in the morning and you can walk that whole wine farm. It's open to the public. Beautiful, beautiful walks there in the vineyards on the property. And they've also got a great restaurant for coffee or brunch afterwards. So that's another thing I love that's to do. That's a great tip. But Tiala, the Winelands, gosh, I mean, so many incredible properties. Dallaire is probably the one very well known, owned by Lawrence Graff. Very extraordinary, extraordinary location. One of the best views in, in Africa. Great wine, nice restaurant, and one can also stay there. But there are lots of properties. There's a new one that I love called Sterakopi. And it's an organic farm that's been made into a wellness retreat. 
And so you can go for three days or five days and they've just got some of the most beautiful, incredible natural gardens with all the insects and the bees and the miniature donkeys and the geese and the pigs. And it's just this dream farm out of a storybook that you want to be living in. If this was your farm, this is the magic. And then, you know, lovely food and accommodation and treatment. So that's a, a really special find. And of course, you can go and taste wine as well, but really special, cool place to stay. Okay, I, I want to ask you one other region that I'm not very familiar with, and I know some people go there, but the Hermanus, like, who goes there? Convince me to go there on my next trip. So it's a holiday destination for South Africans, right? So a little bit like, I don't know, like our East Hampton, if you will, something like that. So some lovely beach houses on the cliffs. It's very famous for the southern right whales that come into the sort of harbor area in October and, and carve. So if you love whale watching and like walking, it's a beautiful place to come. I know your your company, Roar Africa, is very involved with a lot of projects, not just wildlife conservation, but also community development. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen in South Africa that you are optimistic about. There's lots of programs going on and thankfully very generous philanthropists that are behind, you know, Girls College of Tourism, for example, in Crofranet, not far from where you were at Swalu, brings in 90 women from very destitute backgrounds and brings them onto like a campus and teaches them hospitality and then helps them get jobs in tourism. And attached to that is a tracking academy where both men and women are learning the ancient art of tracking. And I think the biggest problem with us, for us in South Africa, is 40% of our, our population is unemployed, of our, you know, eligible population is 40% unemployment. Tourism is a very natural fit for, especially for people in rural areas who've grown up in the bush, right? And obviously the need to protect these last remaining wild spaces is really, really urgent. And how does one balance the need for sort of subsistent farming and need for food and money and livelihood with the sort of protection of animals so people can go and view them, right? So there's this terrible dichotomy of sort of who deserves to be doing what, but getting communities educated in tracking, in hospitality, and understanding what the wildlife means on, on, on how a living can be earned and a life sustained by protecting rather than killing or eating is critical. What people maybe don't realize is that coming to Africa is a hugely profound emotional shift that happens inside a human being. It's a much bigger holiday than those beautiful photographs. It's something that changes you. It cracks your heart open. It melts your human scaffolding. And I hope and think that it potentially does return you a slice kinder, a slice more gentle, a little bit more aware of the natural world and how important it is to our human psyche. And it's a bigger trip than I think people take it for. It's, it's making us better humans. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to hear from world traveler and new Cape Town local, Tiago Sarmento. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes, I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island 
and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Safari is definitely one of those travel experiences that leaves a lasting impact on you no matter what age you are. I talked about it briefly with Deborah, but South Africa is definitely one of those destinations that is fantastic for families traveling with kids, something that my next guest knows all about. Tiago Sarmento moved to Cape Town with his young family to run the Mount Nelson Hotel, and he has some great insights about how to do city and safari with children in tow. Tiago, good to see you. So, so, so good to have you here. I cannot believe it. I'm very excited to finally visit you here in Cape Town at the Mount Nelson. 125th anniversary coming up, I understand. Indeed. You and I, we first met in Mexico City many years ago. Since then, and you're from Portugal, I met you in Mexico City. I think since then you've lived in Argentina? Mexico City, then China, Tianjin in China, and then Miami, Puerto Rico, Brazil in the border with Argentina, Anguilla in the Caribbean, and now South and, uh, Africa, okay, Cape Town. Tom, what, is, what has been surprising about this city? It's, it's exciting talking about that dream because even before I met Mariana, she also had this dream of coming to, to, to South Africa, not Cape Town in particular. We did not know much about South Africa before. So five years ago, both of us were living in, in the Caribbean in Anguilla, and we said, this is it, let's go and check it out to, to, to see if what we dream of is, is really what it is. So we, I remember we landed in Joburg. We said, that's nice. Let's keep looking. And then we landed in, um, in Cape Town and we were um, driving to, to the city, um, probably not the nicest part of the city, but we felt, we just felt good. Uh, a little feeling, same feeling that you will feel probably in Mexico City. The arrival might not be the prettiest, but you just feel good because people are so genuine, so kind. So, Was there a particular moment once you moved here that was just kind of... <laughs> confirmed your decision that okay this was the right place for me yeah i think i think every day look it's, it's it's a city that has so many things that are that are special the first i would say this cover is is to see how many cultures you actually have in 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 one city in one country it's a country that has 11 official languages so that can tell you how many cultures has behind it so since day one honestly since day one we got in and as we land to a new country, you you absorb and you observe what's what's around you and the people and the interactions and how they are observing you too. And it's just yeah, magical. What actually, you remind me, so I, I felt like when we were in Mexico for one year, the first three months were kind of like a honeymoon. It was like, you know, everything was new and exciting and you felt like you were on vacation every every <laughs> single day of your life, which was an amazing feeling. And you just wanted that to remain at a certain point, that wears off, right? I mean, the, the kind of the honeymoon phase, I, I found it, it was about three months. And then after that, it's kind of like, okay, there's difficult things about living mm -hmm. here and you're mm -hmm. starting to confront those. And then, but then you settle in and it becomes normal. What, what's your, I mean, having lived so many different places, is there a pattern is there, or is it different everywhere you go? Um, I think it's, it's different. The, the things, the positives and the, 
things you need to be mindful of. And, and also the period is of adjustment. Sometimes, as you say, it could be a month, could be three months, could be sometimes a year. Yeah. Let's say for Mariana, it took her probably a year to feel, okay, now I'm, now I'm fully settled. This is home. These are my routines. These are my group of friends. These are closer friends. These yeah. are acquaintances, et cetera. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things, like having been here, running a hotel where you send people off on experiences all the time, like what are some of the experiences that absolutely are worth it? Definitely being mountains, you have to. Um, being Table Mountain is probably the most known one, and it's just, just here next next to the to Mount Nelson. That's definitely a mess. It's just two minutes away from here. You're getting the, taking on the lift or actually hiking it up or down if you are, if you are into to, to, to nature. Number of museums here is, is, is incredible, it's, or quality of museums more than the number. Um, I would say number in terms of art galleries is, if you are into art, that's it's incredible. The wineries, you have to at least spend a day in the wineries. And, 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 and when I say wineries, you have Stellenbosch, you have French Hook, there's, there's different areas. If you would like to do a little bit of shopping, Waterfront probably is, is, is the place to be. And there's also, as Liam could tell you, probably amazing restaurants. So the, the gastronomy here, wherever you look, if it's a lunch or a dinner, it's, it's, it's nonstop. So if I was not living here and I was planning to come to Cape Town, I will probably first book the dining and then everything else around it. Which I still haven't done yet, so that's probably a bad <laughs> sign. What's an experience in Cape Town that people don't know about that you've kind of discovered since you've been here? I think there's incredible hikes. The views over, over the water or the mountains and the animals you actually find walking around is, is just something really incredible. If you are a nature lover or not, it's just something really unique, the way that you can connect with what's around you. And here at the Mount Nelson, we've tried also to actually launch some interesting experience to probably do what people typically would not like to do. We're just launching now uh, with a sidecar, a sidecar that is painted in pink and it's called the Nelly. Two very interesting experiences. One is a, a gastronomic experience where you can taste at least five different culinary flavors of South Africa. So you'll go to Bow Camp and you can uh, do a little cooking class in a Cape Malay, so more of a Eastern experience. You go to a bakery and you try the best rusp from an African's culture. You go to another bakery type, pastels de nata, these custard pies from uh, typical from Portugal. You go to Camp Spur, you'll try a little Cosa food. And it's just in a sidecar. So it's casual. It's not the typical yep. fine dining. It's just uh, off the route. In terms of botanicals, that's another tour that, that we'll do with, um, with the sidecars and, and take you to the most amazing parks and botanical parks that you'll probably not see. You will never be able to see any, anywhere else in the world. We have a, also a, a Volkswagen van. From the 70s. I saw that parked out in front of the <laughs> pink Volkswagen. Yeah. So we just, we just actually got it. And on, on the van, you'll be able to take you to a surf school in Musenberg. Or again, sorry, go back to the hikes, but just hike Chapman's Peak, which is one of the most gorgeous mountains, just a half an hour from here. And then you go down, you, you hike back down, and you'll have lunch at uh, Tin Swallow, which one of Liam's chef's warehouse restaurants. And with an incredible view of the town and the best seafood you'll, you'll ever find. What about with kids? So, you know, you, your kids are, are growing up here. Mm -hmm. What are some of the great things to do with ki younger kids in this area? I go back to dining. There's, there's some really cool restaurants that have either a park next to it, a kid's park, or just an, an enormous garden. So there's, there's a few spots like that, Deer Park Cafe, or, um, or here next to, to Mount Nelson, uh, Cafe Paradiso, where they take the kids to... Um, inside the kitchen, they can do their own pizza type of thing. Very casual, very laid back. If you go to the wineries, there's fabulous wineries, Babylon Store and 
has an amazing area for, uh, I mean, it's like an enormous resort that you can take kids and learn a lot about produce, about uh, what, what you get from the land. Also, Liam has a restaurant in French Hook that has an enormous pig, gigantic pig that uh, with tons of chickens so that the kids can just play around and go around, run around the pig and then pig gets upset and then it's just this very isn't natural. Pa- this isn't the painting pig, right? There's <laughs> that, a painting. It's close to it. Pig Casso. I've heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you Casso. have to go there. Okay, I've, that's I've, I've got a painting from them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for those of you who don't know, there's a, a painting pig in uh, in French Hook or yes. in French Hook yeah. in the Winelands called Pig Casso. Yeah, and, Pig Casso. Apparently, I, I think one of, one of his or her paintings sold for 20,000 pounds or, or something along those yeah. lines. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's, it's, it's again, it's fun and it's a, it's a rescue pig. Yeah. So Joanne does, does a wonderful job and, um, and again, passing that message of, you know, South Africa is different. Yeah, <laughs> South Africa is different. I like that. You also run the, the Belmont properties in yes. Botswana, the safari lodges. What has that been like to be able to, you know, bring your kids on safari and one of those benefits of living here? It's absolutely incredible. I think safari overall, there's no better way to, con- I think, to connect with nature, just being in the midst of all that animal surrounding it. It really goes back to basics. So to be able to show that to kids, I think, is, is just something very special. You know, depending on what it is, which country is, there, there's different rules for kids. But um, I would uh, probably recommend, if you're thinking about bringing kids, that um, bring kids that are older, six years or older. I think just before that, they're probably not be able to uh, to capture um, the essence of it and then yeah. and then your day is not the best day because you need to cater for the kid and not really enjoy the the scene that the first time we took them for uh, to the bush luna was six so um she was already engaged asking questions the guides they absolutely love kids they teach my son santiago how to put a, a fire and then the kids just sit on the front seat next to the guide and and you also enjoy as a parent because over there being some sort of entertained whilst you can connect to nature. It is funny how like that, I mean, we still remember the names of the guides that we had 10 years ago. And, and in fact, so you bring up the age and, and I, I actually brought my youngest on safari when she was five, only because we had to bring her because uh-huh. we were all going. My mom was going, my older kids were going, my wife and I, so we, we brought her and it was great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, admittedly, she was, she was pretty young for the kids, but she loved it and she Still remembers the name of, of our, our guides, which is funny. But yes, I think actually, ideally, I would say closer to nine. I think my older kids, I took them the first time. They were nine and 11. Mm. And that was perfect. And honestly, so my youngest is now 11. And we're about to go off on safari in a couple oh, yeah. of days. And I, like, she's at a great age. Great it's, age. It's amazing. Tiago, thank you for joining with us and chatting with us about travel and South Africa. And now for the wall and wrap up. On the subject of safari with the kids, there are, as Tiago mentioned, certain places that are better than others. You know, some won't accept smaller children and and some experiences like gorilla trekking are are limited to adults only. If you are interested in taking your kids on safari, I have done it uh, a fair amount. So feel free to reach out to me and send me an email, bruce at kurtco.com. For now, here are a few of my favorite picks for safari with the kids. Swallow. It's T-S-W-A-L-U. I talked about it with Deborah. This place is amazing. South Africa, huge reserve, 280,000 acres in the Kalahari, incredible wildlife. And it's so like so few people, you're never going to see anyone else on safari. And honestly, that's one of the great things about it for kids is that you have your own private guide, your own you know private vehicle. So you don't have to worry about kind of, 
intruding on other people's plans or anything like that. Fantastic wildlife, no elephants, so you have to go elsewhere to to see elephants, but you can see, you know, lions, cheetahs, buffaloes, giraffes, also some really cool, less common stuff like brown hyenas, fantastic animals, uh, painted dogs, meerkats, puff adders. A lot of people probably don't want to see puff adders, but I, I got pretty excited about it when I saw one. Another place I love with the kids, and with anyone for that matter, is Singida Grumeti, a huge, huge reserve that borders the Serengeti in Tanzania. No fence. So basically, you're like in the Serengeti, but it's a private reserve. So there aren't a lot of people there. And so you get this incredible same wildlife, same spectacular wildlife experience, but with way fewer people and fantastic lodges that are in like completely different locations next to a watering hole, another one up on top of this huge hill with incredible views. Anyway, it's an amazing place. Moving on to Botswana, most of the places that uh, you would have heard about and gone to are in the Akavango Delta, which is fantastic. But my favorite spot is actually not in the Delta. It's called Slender Reserve, and it's run by my friends at Great Plains Conservation. Canoe trips, helicopter safaris, walking safaris, incredible wildlife, plenty of space, and just like kind of a different, totally different experience every day. Speaking of that, totally different experiences. If you've kind of done safari before and you want to do something a little more adventurous and, and way more remote, I love Wilderness's Waneb Skeleton Coast Camp in Namibia. My son and I were actually the first guests there at this camp, very first guests at this camp several years ago. And it's just this kind of surreal desert setting with with granite hills and dunes and dry riverbeds. And it's just kind of strange seeing these majestic animals in that strange desert setting. Anyways, great wildlife, lions, brown hyenas, elephants, everything. Plus, you can do like plane trips to the coast to see shipwrecks and seals and flamingos and explore the coastal dunes. It's just a total different look for safari and lots and lots of activities that'll keep the kids entertained. Again, if you're interested in going on safari, feel free to shoot me an email. I'm always happy to help, especially when it means people are going to take a trip of a lifetime. We'd like to thank Liam, Deborah, and Tiago for joining us today on Travel That Matters. For more information on the many destinations that we talked about today, Please check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com backslash travel that matters. Travel that matters is produced and edited for Kurtco by AJ Mosley. Marketing by Katrin Skapertis and hosted by me, Bruce Wallen, and we will see you down the road.